This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the TopRopePress.com radio network. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Top Rope Nation, your source for all things professional wrestling. I am your host, as always, Ryan Drosty of TopRopePress.com, joined by my co-host, the man who is one year older than when you last heard from us, Mr. Kyle Ross. How are you doing today, Kyle? Well, I guess my birthday went a lot better than Paige's now, didn't it? (laughs) Kyle just found out, or maybe he knew prior that he shares a birthday with Paige, and she did not probably have as joyful of a birthday as you did yesterday from the sound. No, of no. It. I mean, you know, it's funny. When I saw, I saw that a couple hours ago, I missed it, the suspension last night because of my birthday. I was, gonna, I was all set to make a, a joke about you being Ric Flair and me being the broomstick here <laughs> the next hour. But, you know, when I saw Paige, I was like, well, there you go. The jokes write themselves sometimes. <laughs> I Poor feel girl. like in the short history of our show here, Kyle, we've, we've had a lot of discussions about alcohol. Yes, you know, look out. Yeah, look out. <laughs> craft beer week we had or the yeah. National IPA Day. Now we're talking about your late night on your birthday last night. Yeah, I was going to go into some like convoluted thing. Like if you could see me now, like, you know, the, that story Terry Taylor used to tell again about Ric Flair in the Mid-South Coliseum when he discovered Flair like passed out in the back the night that they were supposed to have, Taylor was supposed to have like the match of his life. And he's like, oh, my God, Ric Flair. <laughs> is the guy's passed out. We're supposed to go an hour. What, what am I going to do? And then like at the 45 minute mark, Taylor was like gasping for breath as like Flair was just going too quick for him. And they like, I think they wound up just doing a 45 minute draw instead of a 60 minute draw. I don't think I'm capable of that kind of performance, Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, if there's one thing that could get you out of bed this morning, Kyle, I think it's probably doing a pro wrestling podcast. Oh, so absolutely. Happy to help. Forward, I can't wait. Yes. <laughs> so much to talk about. As you guys heard on the intro there, we had some of your great classic WWF SummerSlam theme music. And uh, I got to say, when I was putting that together, some of it was a little bit hard to find. And uh, Kyle and I were talking about this a little bit off air, but some of those early SummerSlam themes, probably the third one you heard, it was really, really awful. Not, not the best theme music, but that one in the middle there, I think that's the one that I associate with my childhood the most. I'm not sure about you, Kyle. Yeah, it was the one that I chose. I had actually forgotten about the first one, or I just merged the first two in my head into just kind of one theme song. I think when I did the top 10 list, uh, and I put a, a YouTube video up of the SummerSlam theme, I think it was the second one that I used in that one, if I remember. So yeah, I, it, it's funny. 
I it took me a while to even remember the third one. It's just like so nondescript, but I think that was the era where they would have you know, toward the end, it was Jim Ross, I guess. It was like, what, 96, 97? Jim Ross would do these narrations of all the angles leading into the show. Uh, those were actually very effective. I don't know why they still don't do those um, with yeah. better music. And then the first two, you know, the, the very first one reminded me, they must have only done that a couple years. I know they did it through 89, because I remember hearing it uh, in the ridiculously long intro to SummerSlam 89 that they have. I don't know if they left that intact for the network, but I remember on the version that I had dubbed, and it's been a long time since I actually um, had watched SummerSlam 89, probably in full. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I've watched it since it's been up on the network, or maybe just parts of it. But yeah, there's this ridiculously long intro where they just show every wrestler that's going to be on the card, and then they show like a fan, uh, you know, of his like doing something in the crowd. And then there's like, like women walking on the beach and stuff like that. It's one of the <laughs> longest intros to any WWE pay-per-view of all time. I, I can't hear that old SummerSlam theme music without hearing an overdramatic Vince McMahon doing the voiceover, especially that second song. SummerSlam 91 is my favorite SummerSlam intro of all time. I actually just text messaged my buddy Mike a little bit ago because we always make fun of Vince's intro in SummerSlam 91. Nuptials turn to napalm. And See, what a ridiculous really, line that is. It is, but I actually think that's like such an awesome line because he was typing <laughs> the match made in heaven, match made in hell. Whenever you think like, you know, who would talk like that? Vince McMahon does and he pulls it off. I mean, it was really funny. Like, I mean, I had no choice. It, it was, that was, it's so funny. That was the exact line that I thought of uh, when I heard that uh, when I heard the song and uh, it, I just laughed about it it's just it is it's so preposterous but it fit that era I mean the over the top era it's when he when the when the intro starts you've got Vince and he's like it's summertime and the living isn't easy and then he goes into like no okay now that's ridiculous <laughs> really <laughs> that I don't remember wow. the summer slam is the summer is not Easy, apparently. Wow, yeah. WWF. Very interesting. It's summertime! And the living is anything but easy! Because it's time for SummerSlam! The lovely Miss Elizabeth and the Macho Man Randy Savage request the honor of your presence at their wedding, where it will truly be a match made in heaven! And then, nuptials turn to napalm! In a match made in Sergeant Slaughter, Colonel Mustafa, General Adnan, the Triangle of Terror, square off against the red-hot combination of the Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan! It's time for red-hot action! It's time for SummerSlam! Well, we've got a lot on the horizon this weekend. We've got NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, the second, coming up on a Saturday night. We've got, of course, WWE SummerSlam. Um, this would be, what, the, the 29th edition of SummerSlam, I believe? Yes, the first one was 88. Correct. So the, the, thir the 30th would be 2017, if my math is correct. So, yep, 29. And we've had some pretty big stories break here in the last 24 hours, as we talked about. A little bit ago, we've got Paige getting suspended on her birthday. 
the same day, just a few hours after they had announced her boyfriend, Alberto Del Rio, was also suspended. We do not know uh, exactly what they got suspended for yet, uh, but we can tell you that, or at least I've heard that most of these people getting suspended lately, it's for the same kind of thing. We're, we're not talking about steroids. It's you know, like Adderall was something that Roman Reigns got popped for, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's it's the same thing here. Uh, I don't know what you've heard, Kyle, but I, I've heard it's, it's something along those lines or some kind of uh, prescription drug. I, I had not heard that in regards to Del Rio and Paige. I just wonder if, you know, because they're dating, I guess everyone's just going to assume that's connected. Mm-hmm. That, 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 you know, it'll, it's going to come out that it's for the same thing. I, I, I don't know that. That's just speculation. Uh, the only additional thing that I have to pass along, I think this just went up on topropepress.com was in regards to Del Rio, he may not be long for this company anymore. Uh, obviously, he's out for, off TV for the next 30 days. Misses some, wasn't going to be on SummerSlam anyway, so it doesn't really hurt. He is going to miss Backlash, though, which, considering SmackDown's got to find like seven matches, you know, Del Rio's importance is a little higher there. Not that he was going to be a feature performer on that card anyway, but still, uh, you know, that show, the depth issue on that show has been beaten to death, so... It's maybe a bigger loss there, but he has an out clause. This was in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, uh, which goes into effect at the one-year term, and he signed last September, apparently. So that one-year term will be coming up, and it sounds like people expect him to leave and yeah. right after the suspension is over. Th- that's the way that Meltzer wrote it, is that you know people in the know believe he's going to leave, and if that's the case, what a disastrous... Well, well yeah, I mean, I, we, I think we all heard that he got a pretty good deal when he came yes. back. There was all these reports out there exactly how much money he was making. Nobody knew for sure, but he, he got a really lucrative deal to come back to a company that two years earlier he left on very bad terms. And I mean, who could blame the guy for wanting to leave just looking at how he's been booked over the last nearly a year? I mean, he came in first night, beats John Cena for the U.S. title and over the ne- the last uh, you know nine months or so, he's just completely been lost in the shuffle. And like you said, Kyle, we've we've talked a lot about the depth issue. They need someone like Del Rio on SmackDown to be a top guy. And uh, I think you know whether they realize it or not, losing that guy is is going to be a, a big hit for the SmackDown brand. Yeah, I I just don't understand the booking. Now I understand why some of the things haven't gone well. I mean, he hasn't been given good programs. I mean, when you watch him on TV, it's not that shocking that it hasn't gone well, but I just don't know why he's being put into some of those positions. I mean, that Zeb Coulter thing was a disaster from the start. I mean, as soon as they started doing that, everyone was like, this is a horrible idea. Anyone who's ever watched wrestling knew yeah, immediately like, that's is, not going to work. No chemistry. I mean, like, you, you have to let some stuff play out. You know, they always say, well, you can't, you got to let it play out over a couple weeks. And that's true, but it just was Awful from the start. It never went anywhere. It had an awful ending. No payoff, really. They basically admitted on television that sucked. And then it was the same thing with the League of Nations, you know, which was kind of just a couple of, you know, upper mid-card heels thrown together that could do jobs in TV main events. That was basically their role. So that didn't help Del Rio. Uh, And by the time, you know, you would have thought when Cena came back, that's a ready-made program. That would be Cena's first program. But Del Rio had been so damaged by that point, uh, this would be Memorial Day, that there was no point to even do it. And they just, you know, they kind of just did what they did on SmackDown. 
And it makes sense now. I mean, I had written that I thought that was actually the low point of the show Tuesday in my report. It was just a very boring, by-the-numbers um, kind of a match that you'd see at a house show, maybe at the end of a loop. And I guess now we know why. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if he knew that he was being suspended at that point, but, you know, wow, it was a very phoned effort. Yeah, and I mean, as far as Del Rio goes, or El Patron, as he'll be called once he returns to the Indies or Mexico, I mean, he it's not a money issue. He did get a great offer from WWE to come back, but this is a guy that can make a very lucrative living working AAA or working Lucha Underground. I mean, he's, he's not going to be hurting for money, so I mean, if he's unhappy with the direction of his character and he has an out in September, he might as well take it. I mean, I, I would be shocked if we see Alberto Del Rio in a WWE ring again, at least in the next few months. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't weep for the man by any means. Uh, but you know, it's interesting that they were talking about maybe he would go into MMA. Uh, I just think that the most interesting is they would, he would get the deal. He would be put over Cena and then he would just be used. So I, I don't know if they thought, I, I mean, obviously they thought, the thing with Coulter would go well. And I don't know if they just thought it was so bad that they just kind of had to back off him or what, but it just, you know, when this thing's all said and done, if he does leave, you're just kind of left to wonder, you know, why did this relationship even exist? It was just so bad for both sides. Cause WWE paid a guy that didn't do anything, a lot of money. And it certainly didn't make Del Rio any bigger of a star. It, it was kind of, it kind of reminds you of, you know, I just, sometimes I just like to make references to amuse myself in the reports. And I, I think I referenced the rebel Dick Slater just for the heck of it. <laughs> Cause I was thinking about it Yeah, for God knows why. Um, but it reminded me like this signing, the way it stands now reminds me of those late eighties WWF signings where they would sign a big guy, a star from one of the territories, bring him in and then like not use him well at all. It, it just almost seemed like they just wanted to like take him. So no one else could use him well. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's the case or not or, or what, but it's just, it's just been awful. I think they've just been desperate to kind of fill the need for a top um, Latino star after yes. Mysterio left, and they had dreams of making Del Rio that guy. But, yeah, I mean, he definitely – he wasn't pushed like it. And, and like we saw in SmackDown, you could tell his passion wasn't there. Like Kyle said, it, it was a pretty basic run-of-the-mill match he had with Cena and could end up being his, uh, his last WWE match possibly ever. Um, but I think – I know I put up a poll on our Top Road Press Twitter um, this week after SmackDown ended, and I asked our followers, you know, was SmackDown or Raw the better show this week? And overwhelmingly, people chose SmackDown. And uh, I'll get your opinion here in a second, Kyle, but I thought this was the first week of the brand split where SmackDown was clearly the superior show for that week. I thought Raw overall was just a bore to get through. I mean, I DVR'd it, and it took me two days to watch the whole show. It's just, we've talked about it a lot. The show's too long. Uh, there's so many questions about what happened on Raw with the Demon coming out uh, before SummerSlam, giving that away, giving away the Reigns-Rusev match. Uh, did you feel, Kyle, that, that SmackDown was a superior show this week? Oh, yeah, by leaps and bounds. I I agree with you. I think it was the first time it was clear. I think the case could have been made last week. I know that I was one of the few that kind of liked SmackDown two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, but I thought this week it was clear. And a lot of it is just due to the nature of the two shows. I mean, SmackDown is never going to knock your socks off. I don't think it could. It could. I mean, there, you, you don't want to ever say never. 
But because it's two hours, I, I actually think the writing is much better on SmackDown. Quite frankly, I don't know if there's just less micromanaging from Vince. It's just a simpler and easier show to watch. So there's much not a lot easier. Of waste. Oh, yeah. Two hours, just it's bam, it's done. Yeah. That's, that's what you want out of a wrestling show. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you've kind of been watching it for a while, and you look at, you know, I'm reviewing it, and I look, and I see it's like 9.15. I'm like, oh, okay, it's almost like the big, whatever the big match is going to be, that'll be on in like 15 minutes. It's just easier to watch. Uh, you referenced the two questionable things on Raw giving away the demon gimmick for free that certainly could have been held off till SummerSlam. I think there's a compelling argument to be made there. And then the more egregious move was the giving away Rusev and Reigns for free and letting them do a 25-minute match where the babyface goes over clean. Call me old school, but I don't understand why we are supposed to care now about those two wrestling again. So I guess, oh, well, you know, Reigns can win the title this time. But I, I don't think that's that compelling of a hook. Yeah. The uh, here, Here's one thing I wanted to get to that just popped into my head. Um, with the whole the Demon King thing, how confusing is it when you have Seth Rollins going around backstage and, and he's feuded with Kane in the past? And yes, just, I've heard about this. Yeah. This is like a week or two ago. He was looking for the demon Kane and now he's going around. He's saying the demon King and they sound almost exactly the same, especially with Rollins tone of voice. And I was watching that show and I found myself like, wait, is he saying Kane or King? And it's just like. I'm not sure how this gets through quality control, to be honest with you. But, you know, like we all know he's looking for the demon Balor. But why not just say I'm I'm looking for the demon or I'm looking for Balor? Why, why the demon king? It's just well, I don't they know. like to get over their buzzwords. That's what they do. <laughs> but what's interesting, and this was on my Twitter during Raw. And you said you watched on DVR. So um, maybe you didn't see this or maybe you saw it later or something. People brought up that Kane comparison. They're like, oh, you know, it's funny. When he does this very identical angle with Kane. Everyone says it's stupid. But now he's doing it with Balor, who people like, and all of a sudden it's good. I think that's kind of an interesting point. Yeah. I mean, Balor's still fresh, though. I think... With, yeah, oh, with, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, I like Balor much more than I like Kane. Yeah. And that is what it is. And, you know, it got over with the live crowd. There was the dreaded This Is Awesome chant for it. Um, so, but, you know, I didn't like... I told you this off air. I didn't like the brawling that they did afterwards or once he got once uh, Balor got in the ring. I, they went to the kind of choreographed style brawl with the Pele trading Pele kicks when I just thought it should have been trading fists. That, that might be a nitpicking Nancy kind of thing, but um, that's just me. I mean, it did turn into an OK thing. You know, he went for the coup de gras and then he um, hit him with the tope, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was kind of weird. I don't know. I don't know if it was executed as well as it could have been. And I'm not sure necessarily if there's a good justification for him going to that gimmick right now. It'd be one thing if Rollins would have like sucked, you know, you know, attacked him from behind the previous week on Raw and, you know, really, you know, there'd be a legitimate reason to like kind of bring out his inner demon, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term. But there really wasn't that. He just kind of was like, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I mean, they did have their little brawl that first week, but I, I don't know. It, the commenter on my SmackDown preview brought up the notion, as we, we can even pivot, use this to pivot to SmackDown if you want, that the Ziggler-Ambrose build to him had been better 
than the Balor uh, Rollins build. Yeah. Would you, I mean, what, what do you think about that? Is that far fetched? Is that. That's funny because I've had that exact conversation with a couple of my good friends that I always have over to watch wrestling. I'm sure they'll be over this weekend. And uh, a week ago I would have said no. And, um, and it's not because I, I dislike Ziggler or anything, but I just thought like Ziggler in that role was just kind of odd after he's been buried for years, but he has been doing a pretty good job on the mic and they've been building up the match a lot. And, I, I don't know. I guess I have, especially after this week, I have enjoyed the build to Ambrose and Ziggler. And with the problems with Balor this week and how disappointed I was that they had him come out in, in the full get up and the, the full Demon King thing this week, I actually could jump on board now and say that, you know, maybe it has been better. I wouldn't Should've, have said that a week ago. Yeah, the angle, it, it's interesting that, you know, it, the Balor Rollins angle was supposed to be like the big one, the big demon King reveal, but Ambrose and Ziggler just kind of did something more simple. Yeah. And I thought it was far more effective with, you know, even it was, I wrote this in the SmackDown report. I was ready to criticize Ziggler again. Cause I thought he was getting too yelly with his promo. And that's just not, that's kind of what he does. And I don't think it's really that effective. Yeah, The but first week I hated kick, that. I hated yeah. that the first week he was screaming into the mic when they started yeah, building just, up the match. It just was like, it's just like, I don't know how to get this point across. So I'm just going to yell. Yeah. But when the, Hit, did the super kick that really worked that that it really did I, I thought that was a good angle the only problem i have with the super kick thing though is that like he's used it to death you know for how long and it hasn't been like a big finish for him he'll just do it in the middle of the match and now it's it's kind of like oh we're supposed to take that more as like a finish yeah. finisher move yep. for him so they yeah they're pivoting on that but Ambrose sold it real well yeah you yeah. give him his credit like he sold it like really well yeah. So oh, yeah. like he was selling it for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I mean, and we're we're just talking about the build here. I mean, don't get me wrong, as far as when we get to the match and the bell rings, I'm I'm much more looking forward to Balor and Rollins than Ziggler and Ambrose. But as far as just like pure storyline build, I do think that they've done a little bit better with uh Ziggler and Ambrose. And maybe some of that has to do with, you know, Balor's new on the main roster. He's still adapting. We we talked about how um, when he went out there live, cut a promo for the first time on Raw. It was it was a little bit awkward, a little bit shaky, and they kind of fixed that the next week when they had it, it all pre recorded backstage with all the video effects with the demon and everything. Uh, yeah, I mean overall, I just I think yeah the build for the Ambrose and Ziggler matches has been a little bit better, but match quality wise. We're going to get to this in a second when we go through the cards, but SummerSlam and TakeOver, for that matter, looking to be awesome, awesome shows. If you like wrestling, you should be looking forward to this weekend quite a bit. Yeah. So the, the big irony with WWE is they don't do a great job of building these shows up on TV all the time, but the, sh- the bigger shows themselves, you know, WrestleMania 32 aside, which was not a good pro- show at all, are usually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I talked about it in my best SummerSlams list. The last three SummerSlams all made my top 10. Now, you could debate, maybe debate last year's, but there's no debating uh, 2013 or 2014. Those were two of the best WWE shows of the last couple of years, period. Yeah, I mean, here's the weird here's the weird thing about that is because everyone looks at the Attitude Era, you know, with rose colored glasses and what a great time it was. And I think a lot of that is because the TV build was awesome. They did a lot, a, a much better job back then, I think, of building multiple programs on the television yes. shows. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But on the flip side, I think match quality wise today blows away 
the Attitude Era. I mean, oh, yeah. from top to bottom, their roster is so deep right now. It's not even close. But when people say, oh, they're pining for the Attitude Era or they miss those days, they miss the build to the matches. But the matches themselves, I mean, there's no comparison. I take the cards today over anything from 98, 99, 2000. 2000, there's an argument there. 2000, they, which ironically, the mainstream popularity began to wane in that year, but the roster got much better when they started getting the guys uh, who had been underutilized in WCW, the Jerichos, the Benoits, the Guerreros, so, yeah. so on and so forth. But like, yeah, it's funny. Uh, 98, 99, 99 in particular, that's when, you know, Russo really uh, took control of the book or had kind of maybe, I guess, his greatest influence. I mean, it's never like Vince McMahon conceded it to him. That year does not age well at all. No. If you go back no. and watch 1999, it's like, oh, God, like this was the most popular year WWE ever had. Why? <laughs> it, it's kind of funny that like hardcore wrestling fans sort of hate that year in retrospect. I mean, most people consider that, you know, their least favorite year to go back and watch stuff. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Like, it really is. I mean, if, if you go back and look at those cards, there was not a great pay-per-view in 1999. I don't at least not one that comes to memory. I was at one in Cleveland that was okay. It had the tag team ladder match with the yeah. Hardys. Is that coach. No Mercy? Yeah, No Mercy. Yeah. And that one was, oh, that, that might have honestly been the best one just because that match. Yeah. I mean, the wrestling, the in, you, you referenced the in-ring quality. In-ring quality in 1999, with the exception of Steve Austin and The Rock, was pretty terrible. Yeah. In 98, some of the guys they had underneath, it was shocking. Yeah, I can't. I can't think of a blowaway pay per view from 1999. To be honest with you, I mean, SummerSlam I mean, that year was that the year they brought in Jesse Ventura? Yeah, yes, the SummerSlam. Yeah, it's funny. I'm actually going to do my worst uh, ten SummerSlams, and I had a little bit of trouble, kind of like with the best. I had. I, I was kind of having some trouble with that tenth spot, and 99 may make the bottom ten actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, like Kyle said, let's talk about that now. You've, you've been doing some features over at Top Rope Press, and um, one of them you put out was the top 10 SummerSlam cards of all time. So before we get to this year's card, let's look at what Kyle said were the top five cards. And um, let me talk a little bit about that here. So 92, you had – we'll just talk about the top five. Yeah, okay. nine, 92, you had at number five, which – you know, anyone that grew up a wrestling fan loves the 92 SummerSlam. It was, regardless of what WWE tells you, that was the biggest crowd they had ever had until WrestleMania this year at Wembley Stadium. They had 80,000 plus for SummerSlam 92. Um, that The show was closed by Bret Hart and uh, Davey Boy Smith. Awesome match. One of the best SummerSlam matches of all time. Um, you have any specific memories on that show and what really stuck, stood out to you other than of course, the Brett Bulldog match. Yeah, just the crowd. Just it felt like it was such a big event, which is interesting because if you recall, 1992, that was the period where things actually were going downhill oh, pretty yeah. quickly. As I mean, that was the first pay per view without Hogan, and one of the all time most striking business dichotomies in the history of this company is that pay per view. They, they they were really hot in Europe at that time. I think. They had been going over their post mania for a couple years by that point, but they had really done well the previous year, which is what I think gave them the idea to do SummerSlam this year because they were debating doing SummerSlam in either London or Washington, D.C., if memory serves me correct. And they chose London, and that was wise. But the show bombed on pay-per-view, actually. It was their lowest pay-per-view buy rate of all time. 
at the same time they drew that big crowd. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was it. But, you know, overall, it just felt like whenever you're and it was so cool being in Wembley Stadium. It's just, you know, an argument can certainly be made uh, for that being the most famous SummerSlam, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had uh, Savage and Warrior, with, you know, Savage carrying Warrior to an awesome match. I mean, it's probably the, the second best match they ever had outside of WrestleMania 7. Oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, for sure. It, it's funny because Savage was a great opponent for Warrior in the sense that Savage was is one of those guys who meticulously planned every match beforehand. Yeah. So he could kind of just, you know, take Warrior by the hand and... It really worked for him. So uh, I actually don't know if they ever had any other matches, the two of them, but the, those, the, uh, actually they did. Uh, and the how I remember they had a few champion versus champion matches on the house shows. This would have been in 89, uh, that some of them are, I think, out there on YouTube. Um, I don't know if any of the shows are on WWE Network, but, uh, yeah, both, both were good. And, and I really loved that whole which corner will Mr. Perfect be in. I know that. For some, that can you know kind of overwhelm the match, but I thought it really added to it in that instance. Yeah, I liked '92 a lot, and yeah, I mean, it just shows how anytime they go to Europe, you know, they're always really wanting big shows over there, and they don't get them as often as we do here, obviously, in the U.S. So, I mean, just a few months earlier, you had WrestleMania Eight at the Hoosier Dome, which was far from sold out. You watch that show, and you can see empty seats all <laughs> over the upper deck. Yeah, and I always loved that they tried covering for that at the beginning of the show. Do you remember that Bobby Heenan saying, "These dumb Hoosiers are stuck in traffic." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've only been to Indianapolis a few times, but I don't think I ever really had to uh, battle traffic too much there. <laughs> so it was not the Greensboro Coliseum in 1983. No. Play that much? No. So it, it was quite a contrast from the Hoosier Dome a few months earlier to massive Wembley Stadium and 80,000 plus, and just going crazy. Um, let's see. Number four, you had 2014 SummerSlam, where you had. Uh, Let's see, you had Lesnar just dominating John Cena in that match with, I think we all just thought that was just crazy at the time, how Cena just took a, you've never seen John Cena have a match like that. I mean, he just sold pretty much the whole time. Yeah, I mean, give give the man his credit. Yeah. I mean, you know, as much as people want to, you know, criticize the guy all the time, uh, pretty nice company man. Yeah. Do something like that. You had Rollins, Ambrose, is this right after the Shield that split up? You had uh, Reigns and Orton having a pretty good match. So, I mean, yeah, 2014, top to bottom. Maybe not the best time creatively for WWE. Yeah, I mean, but that, that, that good was matches. the perfect. Yeah, that was the. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in right there. That was the perfect example of kind of what we just talked about that I remember I wasn't like really fired up to watch that show going in. I think it actually took place on my birthday or it took place like I think the day. I was going to ask you that, actually. <laughs> I was going to ask you, has there ever been a SummerSlam on your birthday since you just I don't know if that was on my birthday, but we had people over at the house that day. Okay. And I remember being like, all right, folks, if you want to stay and watch SummerSlam, that's cool. If not, uh, I don't know what you want to do. <laughs> I just but Googled I, it. It was August 17th, so it was on your okay, birthday. Okay, there we go. Yep. There we go. Yeah, it was. I just, But I just remember watching, you know, the thing with... Uh, that was the one with Stephanie and Brie Bella. That angle was oh, yeah. not awesome. But overall, the show, I thought, was it was one of those shows where nothing really sucked. Right. Yeah. And then number three, you had 2013 SummerSlam, which, uh, let's see, that show had two matches in your top 10 SummerSlam match list, which you also published in Top Rope Press. Um, and they're in the top six, I believe. Yeah. 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 Cena, Bryan, and Lesnar, Punk. Those are two. That is the best one-two combination match quality of any SummerSlam in history. I would agree. That was Punk's last SummerSlam, and 
By the way, speaking of punk, not to get too off track here, did you see his UFC documentary this week? I missed it, and I've I've been meaning to watch it. Really good, really good stuff. I think it's a four-part series, so this this Monday, set the DVR. Mm -hmm. Interesting that they're putting it against Raw. Yeah, yeah, I I, I liked it. I thought, I mean, it shows you a different side of punk and, you know, why I'm I'm not sure he's going to win at UFC 203. Uh, He's got an uphill climb for sure, but... I found myself definitely rooting for him after watching the show and just, you know, seeing what he's been going through training up in Milwaukee. So, uh, 98 SummerSlam, you had number two as the best SummerSlam card of all time, which 98, I have a ton of great memories of. I mean, the ACDC intro was amazing. You got Austin walking through fire, the undertake. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's cause I was a teenager then. And I thought that was the craziest intro i had ever seen for pro wrestling and just loved it but yeah you had that match you had um triple h and rock which was a lot of people thought was kind of their coming out parties yes i absolutely think it was, i joked about it half-heartedly in the top 10 match list uh which, which that made it was number nine i believe that after that triple h rock match happened everyone pretty much was like all right these guys are ready to go to the main event. And it's one of those rare times when everyone's just kind of right. Yeah. Cause rock, imme- rock immediately uh, went to the, well, not, not immediately, but very soon after uh, became the f- focus of TV. If you recall, that was when he did that sort of fake uh, baby face turn in the fall and then became the corporate champion, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which one could argue is, you know, is, as much as he's remembered uh, as being this all time great face. I think my favorite era rock is the corporate champion. And then, you know, Triple H, it took him a little longer uh, to become the big star they wanted him to be. But, you know, it was early 99 when they started pushing him as one. Yeah, I mean, that kind of kicked off a year where those two kind of became, especially with Austin going through injuries shortly thereafter. I mean, yeah, Rock, yeah, he started that quick build to win in his first title at Survivor Series. And then the following summer, you had uh, yeah, Triple H getting his first championship victory. So... Yeah, that was that was a great show. I really liked it. I think that was the time '98 when I think of that SummerSlam. I think of that. It was kind of the first time I really clearly remember, at least since the '80s, um, WWF really breaking through into mainstream attention in the build to SummerSlam. Like I remember, there was all kinds of shows uh, on MTV, like the week of SummerSlam that year in New mm-hmm. York, of yeah, course. Right. Like just geared all around the build. They were on like TRL. They had like. Uh, I think there was like home shopping network <laughs> specials about SummerSlam that year, like even maybe even like a post game show or something. It was, yeah, they were all over the place. Then The Austin Undertaker build may be the greatest non mania build in company history. Yeah, I could, I I think could there's see an, that. There's an argument there. I mean, I, there aren't a ton of other uh, candidates that are jumping in my mind right now. There may be something I'm forgetting, but as far as non mania pay-per-views go, I think the only the only one that I know did more was the invasion pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and I there may be another one, but it's escaping me right now. I don't think it was a Royal. I don't think any Royal Rumble ever did 700,000 buys. Uh, if if there was, it would have been the one where Triple H came back in 02. But yeah, I mean, that was just I wrote in there. It was all about we talked about the job of building these pay-per-views they did that great like there were it was just a card of all blow-offs yeah that particular show and, and everything was blown off well yeah and then uh you know speaking of great build 2002 the number one SummerSlam card of all time in your article here was 
awesome show, top to bottom. Um, you know, we always talk about how good a job WWE does with uh, with their video packages. And that package they had for Rock and Lesnar that year where they were training, and I think one of them was like running up and down a football stadium. It yeah, was, Rock and the Orange Bowl. That's where, right. Where Miami right. played, where he played his college ball. That's right. Yeah, that was, oh, that was a great show. That was a show where he had Michaels come back for the first time since 98 and wrestled Triple H and a match of the year contender in his first match in over four years. Uh, Angle Mysterio, Edge Guerrero, Benoit, RVD. Yeah, I don't think there's any comparison that that's the greatest SummerSlam of all time. It, it was funny because I, I was telling a friend when I, it was a lot harder to do the top 10 match card than it was, or the top 10 cards than it was the top 10 matches. The top, the, those, the 10 that made, and people can go and just check that one out on the site, the top 10 matches. Those 10 matches, just like when I was thinking about it before even looking, and I, and I did, obviously, I went through all the cards to make sure I wasn't missing anything which was good for the honorable mention, but those 10 were pretty much like the first 10 that came to my mind. So that was easy. I really actually put some, you know, a good deal of thought into the top 10 cards of all time, but Oh, two was an was actually an easy choice for number one. And after that, it was, it, it became harder. It, but, but yeah, 2002, I think is, is most people's choice for number one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, was that Michael's, um, Triple H match was that like number one or two on your greatest matches list? Of- uh, one that high. I think it was like seven or something. Oh, like seven. Oh, yeah, seven. It was, okay. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was real high, but um, I I like that match more than I felt that you know it's I really really liked all like those ten matches. I mean, man, that's that's a that's quite a a top ten for this card. Makes you think. That's Not a right. lot of them recently though. I felt very old. I felt like a you know I was telling the kids get off my lawn with uh, <laughs> a lot of matches from the nineties and yeah. stuff like in the early part of this century. There was there's only the two both from 2013, even from the last decade. That's yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm looking at that one now. Your top matches you had you had a lot of matches that were relatively recently or at least in the 2000s in your honorable mentions. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I say. I went back in that. And, I mean, that's pretty much the way WWE is now. Like I feel what was great in the distant past really stood out more, but overall there's more good today. Yeah. I think that's that that's a note that people should make. I think the average match in WWE is much better now than probably ever has been. Mm-hmm. Agree. So yeah, as we transition here to this weekend, then I guess we should start with NXT. Yeah. Um, I feel like TakeOver this year, I don't know how you feel. I feel like the excitement level isn't quite where it was last year with the first TakeOver Brooklyn, but the card overall is excellent. Yeah, I think this could be maybe the best NXT show ever. It's got that potential, even though uh, I'm with you too. The buzz, uh, I heard the secondary market is nowhere near what it was last year in Brooklyn or for WrestleMania in Dallas, Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, the top three matches on this show could all be really, really good. I think some of the the build and the excitement last year was just because that was the first NXT show, you know, in a major NBA arena. Yeah, and, and they were like, oh, my God, we're, yeah. we're going to fill this thing. Yeah. I mean, I actually just last night I went back and watched that uh, WWE 24 on Brooklyn last year. And, uh, man, if you haven't seen that, I mean, I know it's a year old, but that's worth watching again, at least just for the uh, Sasha Banks Bailey segments where they're talking about growing up and wanting to become wrestlers. And uh, the reason I got to that was uh, I actually convinced my wife, who not really a wrestling fan at all, but I convinced her to watch the WWE 24 on the women's division. 
And so we watched that, and then I was like, oh, by the way, uh, you might want to see the uh, WWE 24 on TakeOver from last year where they talked about Bailey and Sasha. So we watched it, and yeah, it kind of made me think that, or I guess I just thought more about where we were at last year versus this year and the excitement level. And yeah, the buzz definitely isn't there as much, but yeah, the card, uh, top to bottom, there's really nothing there that I don't want to see. There's nothing skippable. (laughs) I mean, it's... We yep. got we got Bobby Roode taking on uh, Andrade Cian uh, Almas, which is or Cian Almas, which is going to be probably a really good match. Um, speaking of Bobby Roode, did you hear about James Storm? No, James Storm supposedly at the TNA tapings the other night he fulfilled his obligations to TNA and he had said something about he was going to be meeting up with an old buddy again soon. So wow. that could be Bobby. No wonder Roode. I didn't hear about him because it happened in TNA. Yeah. <laughs> if a tree falls in TNA, you rarely hear about it. Uh, well, that's very interesting. Have you noticed? It, I want to just back up and then get to this match again in a second. With this card, I think with the exception of Bailey, who we we said I think it was two weeks ago on the show, no, he's probably long overdue to get the call up to the main roster. You can make a case for either side going over in any of these matches. I think, and a compelling one at that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a stretch with this one. Uh, I think Rude's going to go. Have you noticed? I know it's only been two weeks. Rude is kind of doing a Triple H tribute gimmick. Am I the only one who thinks that? I kind of got that a little bit. I mean, I don't um, know. He's got the beard, the way he carries himself. So, I mean, trust. There's a lot dumber things you can do in that company. Uh, <laughs> you know, to to gain favor. Yeah. So, you I know, it's that. a smart move. Hey, he, they're definitely presenting him like a big star. And, you know, you mentioned earlier with Del Rio, the need for that, you know, the next Latino star. I don't think it's going to be Almas. I don't. He has not gotten over to the degree they'd hoped. No. So I think Rude's going over yeah, here. Yeah, I agree. Definitely Rude in that match. Um, then we got Austin Aries, No Way Jose. Um, I don't know. This this one I could see going either way. I mean, like yeah. you were saying, you could you can make a case either direction. Uh personally I'd like to see Aries go over, but mm. um I don't see it happening. I see Aries more as the guy who's there to, you know, teach more than get a push. So I think yes. I think Jose is probably gonna win. I think the wrestling playbook says Jose wins here. Yeah. Unless if they're gonna do another match. Which they could. But, you know, I mean he's the baby face seeking revenge. Uh, Aries can take the loss. I think he's got the rep. And like you said, I think we know what kind of role he's going to be in. If, if, if you beat Jose here and you don't do, and he doesn't ever get revenge really on Aries, then what do you do with him? Yeah. So yeah, I think Jose has got to win and they've done a great job building this up. I thought the initial angle was great. Uh, you know, I just watched the last episode of NXT this morning. They do a heck of a job getting this show over, man. I, you know, the reason I said I'd like to see Aries win, I just, even at, you know, his age, and he's got a lot of miles on his wrestling boots at this stage. I still, I still see Aries as a guy with more potential in the long term than Jose, but. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just the way they book and, you know, Jose getting a, a little bit of a push recently. I, I think he's probably going to win. He's over. It's not like he's a yeah. guy that they're trying to shove down our throats. He's legitimately over. Yeah. 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 And then we've got uh, Ember Moon. Coming on up, and you know, I guess we didn't know until this week who she was going to be wrestling at Takeover. It's going to be Billy Kay, who decent enough in the ring should be a decent match. I think Ember Moon obviously is going to win there. Yes. Um, and then we've got our kind of like match of the night contenders. So we've got 
The Revival taking on Gargano and Ciampa. Uh, who do you see going over here? This could really go either way. This is what I'm saying. Um, I think it's too early to take the titles off the Revival. If is all is what I know. Because if you do, I'm not sure what you do with them in NXT anymore. And it's, I, I think you want to, once they lose the belts, then you maybe bring them up to the main roster, hopefully SmackDown, and they can reprise their feud with American Alpha when American Alpha is more established. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to find a way to retain. What's interesting is they've been kind of playing up a little tension with Gargano and Ciampa. Yep, and I I really kind of hope they don't turn Champa here. I don't want to see that. That's my prediction. I think you, they're going to split them right you here. Do? Yeah. Okay. Well, I I think it it feels early. It feels that I don't know that they should still these guys. By the way, have been having the best matches in the house show circuit, bar none. Oh yeah. All reports. I mean, you've been covering. So I don't know how many NXT shows uh, you've been uh, covering for the site. I know. In the couple I have, you know, every time that's raved is the match of the night. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to this one. And they, they had that match a couple of weeks ago in the Cruiserweight Classic that aired that, you know, everyone was talking about. And there's some buzz on that. So, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, against one another. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I, th- the I think they might very capitalize. Good too. I think they don't get the credit they deserve. They're a very good tag team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan. I think, uh, let's see. Yeah. I, I'll go with the revival here. I think I'm going to agree with you there. Um, yeah. I, I just think that. It's, it's. It, I guess it depends what they do. Well, we know Oscar's going to probably retain, so I don't think they'll change two of the titles. So if they're going to change the the NXT title, then I, I actually see there being less of it, even less of a chance of revival losing here. And like and like we kind of both alluded to, there is the possibility of of the heel turn. Yeah. Chapa. Well, I think there is a possibility of Bailey winning, but if she wins it, it's going to be like a really brief title run. So I'm not sure, not sure what purpose that would serve because I see her; she's got to be coming to the main roster really. Yeah, soon. and they really are playing up. You know, Brooklyn is her place. Yeah, they're really they've done. I'll say this: I kind of because you know, like I said, we were talking about all oh, these. You know, Bailey; she should be on the main roster. Eh, she's kind of overstayed her. Welcome maybe a little bit here next to They've done a great job on TV the last few weeks building this up and making me care. I think it's been great. Well, I think if she wins, it's just going to be kind of one of those feel-good moments. You know, she had the big win there last year and, mm-hmm. you know, send the fans home happy and then, you know, she loses it here just in a month or two. That's that's what I would see happening. But I think Bailey's main roster bound sooner rather than later. Okay. So That's interesting because I, I, I would just say, because you said, like you kind of pointed out there, that'd be kind of, almost pointless i guess yeah unless if you just want to do the feel good moment with bailey but i would have her just you know kind of lose and then have that be her impetus to you know she'd be broken up about the loss but then regal's like look you know you've given us everything you have it's time for us to set you free and then she could do a nice tearful goodbye to the nxt audience which i think would be a segment that gets over well so I mean, if if I was betting on it here, I mean, I would choose Asuka as winning. But I just, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I just think there is a, a small chance she could win. I don't think okay. it's, I don't think it's cut and dry. That's what I'm okay. getting at. Um, but the main event, I do feel pretty confident saying I think Nakamura's winning the belt. I don't know what you think. Again, it depends. You know, 
the it all depends on the main factor is how long do they want Nakamura down in NXT? If the answer is not that, I don't know if they have that date set in mind when they're like, all right, we want this guy up before WrestleMania. We want him on the WrestleMania card next year. If that's the case, then yeah, you got to give him the title sooner than later. Uh, but if you don't, you got to make sure, because I don't know. The other thing too is with Joe, if he loses, you know, what do you do with him then? I mean, do you just do rematch, a series of rematches? I don't know. I would think Joe's coming up if he loses. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks, but I don't know if that's the case. Everyone just assumes that it's the case. I don't know if it is. Here, here's a question for you. If Joe does come up in the next month, uh, you send him to Raw or SmackDown? SmackDown. Yeah, I agree. They, they need him more. Obviously, yeah. we've talked about the Plus, there are issue. people who wrote on NXT for Joe on the SmackDown writing team. And they'll know how to use him. They did a good job of getting him over. Yeah. I think he would be lost in the shuffle on Raw. If he went to Raw, it would be solely to build towards a match with Brock, which, uh, you know, Brock's probably going to be gone again here pretty soon. So they could they could work that out down the line. But, um, the, yeah, the only reason I would see to send him to Raw would be a Joe-Brock match makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, I yeah, I think, I, think, I think Nakamura is kind of... He's kind of lost some steam in NXT. I don't think they're capitalizing on him like they could be. I mean, he he has to or he needs to be on the main roster for them to really get the full uh, full benefit of having Shinsuke Nakamura on the roster. So um, if they want him to have that NXT title lineage in his background, yeah, they got to put it on him now because he's he needs to come to the main roster very soon, I think. I mean, I think we all know that he really doesn't need to be down there. No. He's more talented than what? 95% of the guys on the main roster. Yeah, I mean... He, he's, and that might be conservative. He's he's top two or three in the whole company. And Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I imagine he'll win. I'll say, though, Joe has done a great job building this up on the interview segment. Again, I, I, just, I just can't say enough about the job that almost everyone's done building this card up. Joe was fantastic in that sit-down interview segment uh, that aired last night. I think... Um... I think they probably feel that Nakamura is a bigger draw in the house show circuit than Joe at this stage. So mm-hmm. if they need stars in NXT with Balor gone, possibly Bailey leaving pretty soon, and the other guys that have been called up, I think uh, yeah, they, they put the belt on Nakamura and they say, Joe, you, you can be on your way to the main roster and we're still strong touring with Nakamura holding the belt. Yeah, and that's a great point you made too about Bailey and that Everyone should remember, oh, why isn't she on the main roster? She was really an important factor in that brand, in the NXT brand drawing. Yeah. That's how she'll run. Yep, no doubt. And yeah, speaking of which, I, I'm going to an NXT live event here in September, and Bailey's advertised, Nakamura's advertised, Joe's advertised. So they could come up before then. Like we saw, we saw Balor work NXT shows he was advertised on after his call up. So, I mean, if, if you're looking around online, don't read in too much to like, oh, this this NXT guy is advertised for a show in September. He can't be coming to the main roster before that. They certainly could. Yeah, uh, I mean, those things before. are sent out, you know, kind of weeks in advance, sometimes months. I guess, I mean, I will uh, give WWE a lot of credit there, though, because, I mean, they do have the card subject to change thing on all their cards. Mm-hmm. But we've seen here in the last few months, that even when they call up these people, hey, if they're advertised, they're working that NXT show. So that's pretty cool. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like the old days when the, the people would just no show. They would just no show, and they would just tell the fans, "Hey, that's too bad." <laughs> yeah. So SummerSlam. All right. Before we get to the card here, why is Sami Zayn 
not oh. wrestling at SummerSlam. I mean, the guy, what, last month he had probably the best match on the show? And oh, yeah, easily. I think, I think an argument could be made. Well, Alexander Abushi's in the discussion. We talked about that last week. Yeah. But the other two best WWE matches of the year. Yeah, we had this discussion, so I'm just repeating myself at this point. We're both Sami Zayn matches. Can't, uh, the Kevin Owens won at Battleground. And then the match in NXT against Nakamura. Yeah. And actually, I hadn't I hadn't seen that. You talked about it last week, but I hadn't seen the match yet. I saw the Alexander Ibushi. Unbelievable match. Yeah. I mean, it, it may have been the best match ever at full sale. Yeah. That was kind of the, the hype coming out of the tapings. And it, I would probably agree with that. Yeah. It, it really was great. And Alexander, it's it's all, I always love when the loser gets over more than the winner, it seems. It's always such an interesting dynamic to observe i think it was certainly the case in that match but like and, you said yeah Sami Zayn's the other constant Zayn and nakamura Zayn and kevin owens yeah. and here we are second biggest show of the year and Sami Zayn's not on the card and they could they could add him here like the day of the show to maybe a pre-show match or something which honestly they probably will but he should be in a much more high profile match than that on the second biggest show of the year you would think well, what's, what's yeah well what's interesting is forget about the match quality side i mean we obviously can rave about that but you know that's not something that they you know care about that much i mean they do a little bit but um, as long as you're not sticking out the joint, you know, I don't I don't think they care. They, it's not like they always necessarily push the best workers. The key to me here is the guy just won a huge blow-off match at the previous pay-per-view that was supposed to be this like huge thing for his career. Like when you look at the storyline, it makes no sense what they've done. They've done nothing with them. Like, I've never seen a guy win a big blow-off match like that and then just kind of be forgotten about. Yeah. It makes that makes very little sense to me, but it goes to the fact that Raw probably has, and especially when the cruiserweights start coming in, Raw's got probably as much as we complain about those three hours, they probably have too many guys. Yeah, exactly. There's the that's what we're talking about as far as with the brand split. This is a problem that comes up, and I think you mentioned it last week or the week before we were talking about you know how many matches does Raw have, how many matches does SmackDown have, and. Maybe it's just a circumstance of we, we can't fit you on the card. We've got to have so many matches reserved for the SmackDown brand. And when you, when you get into Raw, I mean, you're obviously going to have your title match. You're going to have Enzo and Cass on the show. You're going to have your women's match. Uh, and, it's you know, the card starts to fill up. Yeah, so. if you're not. If, yeah, that's the one, another thing, too, with the, the dual brand shows that we're going to see in the future, especially when SmackDown gets t- its titles. If you're not in a title match, I mean, that's I mean, including you know, with the secondary titles, the tag teams and the women and the world titles, that's eight mat title matches. If you're not in the title program, it's tough to get on there, man. Yeah. So we got Cesaro and Sheamus starting their best of seven series. All right. Now, here we go. How much better would it be if you had a face versus face best of seven with Cesaro and Sami Zayn instead of Cesaro and Sheamus? I mean... Yeah, aesthetically, it would certainly be better. Although, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as down in Sheamus as a lot of people are. I, I think he's he's a guy who, right now, is not being used to the best of his abilities. Ironically, I think there's been several points in his career when he's been pushed higher than his abilities. You know, I, I didn't think... Yeah. I, I thought he was kind of a boring choice to get that role of the the heel to drop the title to Roman Reigns at the end of last year. I, I just didn't think he was very compelling at all in that role. But right now, I think a case could be made that he's actually being, un, you know, he's just losing on TV all the time. 
And you're right. It's funny that you do a best of seven, which historically that gimmick's worked going back to the, you know, Magnum TA and uh, Nikita Koloff, I think were the first to do it for Crockett in 86. But this is kind of a match we've seen, you know, a few times now over the last couple of weeks. And it's kind of like, well, why are they doing it? You know, Cesaro's beaten up a couple times. You know, why are you going best of seven now? Uh, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if, if this does get one or both guys over. You would hope it, that it's a vehicle to get Cesaro over. Yeah. I mean, I am a lot more down on Sheamus than you are. I, okay. I'm just, I got Sheamus burnout. <laughs> I, well, I it's funny. That. I mean, he's been on the roster now for, it's going to be coming up on seven years. Yeah. Can you believe that? I mean, I always tell people this, you know, not to sound like some old man again, but do you realize that like guys like Jim Duggan and Jake Roberts, who are, you know, Hall of Fame roster, you know, everyone remembers them if you grew up in that era, right? Yeah. They weren't on the ro- WWE roster for 70 years. No, not straight, working almost every week like he has been. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's the thing, too. And with all this television, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jake Roberts came to the company, what, 86? He was gone by 92. And that's with him, you know, missing. He, he missed most of 89. Well, I, I mean, I think Cesaro and Zayn are two guys that need to be, be in the uh, new Universal title picture. So, yeah, if, if I was booking this, I would have done Cesaro. I would have done Zayn in the best of seven for a shot, future shot at the Universal title. Yeah, because that's the other thing, too. What is this best of seven for? You yeah. promise something. Uh, by the way, uh, just to rain on your parade, I think Sheamus is going to win at SummerSlam. <sighs> just, just because, I mean... It's not like they're going to have Cesaro sweep, although that would be interesting. That'd be a real burial of Sheamus, I suppose. You know, the only the only issue with these best of series uh, is that they always go the distance. Yeah, always go seven. I think you know, Cesaro will come out on top in the end, but yeah, he could certainly lose the first yeah, one. Yeah, I think to build intrigue, just because he's won the two TV matches recently, I think you have to have Sheamus win here yeah. if you want to make this thing work. I think he's one and two. I agree. Okay. And uh, then you got Jericho and Owens against Enzo and Cass. Um uh, we haven't talked about this too much, but I've noticed it the last two weeks, especially two weeks ago. Enzo Amore, as good as he is on the mic, is a mess in the ring. Yeah, he's he's really, really bad in the ring lately. And I don't it's know what's going like, on there. He, it, it's, it kind of, you know, we made some attitude era references earlier. It kind of like reminds you of the road dog, but the road dog was a better worker. Yeah, I Which, agree. And the road dog is not exactly remembered as Ricky Steamboat. I think this will be a good match because he's in there again with Jericho, who a couple weeks ago on Raw made him look pretty good, um, and Kevin Owens. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to like stink up the joint or anything like that. I just it'll think, probably be the opener of the pay per view. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good because Enzo will come out. He'll get the crowd going. I mean, he's awesome on the mic, but yeah, in the ring, it's just been really disappointing. Yeah, watching his, his well, what what works for him in the tag team situation is he's the guy who plays, you know the baby face in peril role. He's the guy who's always going to get beat up and have to make the hot tag cast. Yeah. So it's his offense that really looks bad when he has to, when he has to wrestle solo, that's mm-hmm. when he really gets exposed. So that I think if they just limit the number of times he, he does singles matches, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. And he's going to get over because the mic work, like you said, this isn't a match that can go either way. I more so than you see a lot of potential with Jericho and Owens as a tag team. I actually would like this to be a long-term thing. I, I could yeah. see them being tag team champ, being the team to unseat the New Day. I uh, like it more than I did at the beginning. I'll okay. say that. It's, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm a huge fan of Kevin Owens, and I felt like they haven't 
pushed him to the top of the card as like a top heel, like they should. But, you know, if he's going to be relegated to this role, I like it. It's been entertaining. Plus, we've got all those great memes on Twitter going around where you've got like Jay and Silent Bob with Jericho and <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, KO's yeah. face on it. So we're getting that. <laughs> and I just think that the, the, the issue with uh, Owens going to the top and working like if he was working like, let's say, against Roman Reigns, he probably loses that match. So, yeah, you know, OK, it's cool that he's on top of the card. But if he's losing, you know, he's just kind of like Bray Wyatt, you know, a guy who. All right, he's talented, but he always loses these matches, and then you and then people kind of lose a little interest in him. I think this, while it seems like he's being relegated down, can actually long term be a really good thing. Now, I don't know what Jericho's deal is. I mean, that's kind of the fly in the ointment with his schedule. I don't know. I think he's going to go on tour with Fozzie again at some point later this year. So um, it'll be interesting to see just how much, how much legs they give this. I, I would. They could have Enzo and Cass win here. If it's the opener, they like to put the baby faces over. If they do that, though, if they have Enzo and Cass win, I wouldn't mind then Jericho and Owens beating the New Day somehow, getting the titles, and that sets up your tag team title program. Because I do think Enzo and Cass, you know, over the long view, if you take a long view of the Raw side uh, of the tag team division, they're, they're the future champions. Yeah. There I has think, to be a transition from New Day to Enzo and Cass. Yeah, I think they're winning this match. I think Enzo and Cass will win. Okay. Um, Miz and Apollo Crews for the IC title. Um, I got Apollo Crews winning. I don't know what you got here. You know what I liked that you did the other day, and I meant to have this up for the show. You put the betting odds up. That's right. Yeah. So let me bring those up right now because this is the one that surprised me. Because Crews is like kind of an overwhelming favorite, isn't he? Uh, negative like two ten or something. Yeah, like he that. was like a minus two ten favorite. Mm-hmm. I love how Eva Marie's on the. His frontier, his featured front and center on the website right now. <laughs> no, no, but she got a wellness policy policy violation. Eva Marie? Yeah, that's what our website just, says. Just broke, apparently. Yeah. Wow. Imagine the things that happen. Wow. What Three. is going on right now? Oh, this is terrible news. This could <laughs> the be highlight this of Smack. Now, th- hey, this here's the, the question. Worst thing it- that has ever happened to professional wrestling. Here's the question. Is there any chance this is storyline to keep her out of the ring? Any chance at all? Because that's the first thing that pops in my head. Abby Arthur, please email the show right now. Because <laughs> she's the one who reported on this. Wow. You know, you go there to bring something up. And you find, wow, who knows? Undisclosed. Wow. Long term. Yeah, I th- think it's uh, pretty legit. It'd be it, funny if the voice said that, though. We're sorry. Even Marie can't they do this week because she I mean, violated the company's wellness policy. I mean, policy. long term, it can play into the storyline. But, guess, oh, man, yeah. that sucks. Oh no! What a, this is this is horrible. SmackDown's gonna be hurting. Oh my God! What a horrible. It's, my birthday has been ruined now. Um, <laughs> where are those odds? And I came here for the odds here. This is really compelling radio uh, here. As I yeah, we've got cruises. Yeah, cruises is a two dollar favorite. So yeah. this seems to me uh, to be a this feud must continue situation. I can see Cruz winning by like a count out or DQ. Because you got to remember, SmackDown's got backlash coming up in a couple weeks, and I don't think that's enough time to get Miz a nuke. I guess maybe they could have Cruz just beat him and win the title and do a rematch at that show, but it doesn't feel like it's the right time to take the title off Miz. I'll be honest with you. Well, and I don't feel it's the right time to put it on Cruz. No, Cruz is he's he's, he's not over green. yet. Yeah. yeah, he's too green. So I feel that that you know, especially where this is going to be positioned on the card. 
probably in a spot, uh, you know, of not much. And, and truth be told, we look at the card as a whole, at least what's going to be on the main, you know, on the main show. Eh, this is probably the match with the least interest, I would say. I think that's fair. Yeah. So I don't think you'd do a title switch here. The, the title switch would just get lost in the shuffle. Uh, so. Yeah. How about Rusev and Reigns? So uh, this is the match we talked about earlier. They gave away a 25-minute match on Raw, which wasn't for the title, but it was for Lana's honor. Uh, it makes Rusev look like a chump just losing clean like that. I really yeah. think it would have been so much better if they would have just done a quick match with a heel beatdown. Well, I would be shocked if Rusev didn't win at SummerSlam just because he lost clean on Raw. Uh, so I got to take Rusev here to retain in some fashion. See, I'd be shocked if Roman Reigns loses. I know that they've, you know, he's been kind of shunted down the card a bit post-suspension, but I just thought that this was, you know, him winning the U.S. title was kind of their way of rehabilitating him. This is the match, I think, where you have to, you know, with these odds, the key is to watch what they do on Sunday because they always will, once the people who know the finishes and stuff, uh, you know, start betting them because that's what happens. Uh, they begin moving dramatically. Yeah. Uh, I remember that that happened at that Money in the Bank show when all of a sudden the day of like Rollins went from an, uh, you know, a pretty sizable underdog against Reigns to the favorite. And then like Dean Ambrose became like this massive favorite to win Money in the Bank. Uh, so th- that's what's to pay attention to. I bet you this, the odds here change. Maybe I'm wrong though. I just, I, I guess before Monday and they had that match, I would have said Reigns is for sure going over at SummerSlam. But with that win, I just can't, I can't see him getting two victories in a row over Rusev. Who, you know what, Rusev though, has if, so much potential. I just, if, I can't see it. If there's one guy, though, and again, I know they've beaten him a few times since the suspension, but if there's one guy who they like to keep above the 50-50 booking, mm-hmm. it's Roman Reigns. Well, I mean, what we could have here is some kind of false finish. Yeah. You again, know, or like Rusev, like, gets DQ'd for just pummeling Reigns after he goes after Lana or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that, I guess. See, although, if they do that in the Miz Cruz, I can't see him doing doing this, you know, a, a garbage finish in the two secondary title matches. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, so, we got the New Day defending uh, on the, well, one-year anniversary of the pay-per-view where they won the titles against Anderson and Gallows. Uh what do you think about the chances of a title switch here? Because I'm going back and forth on this one. You know, a couple weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, they're going to change it for sure. And I, like I said earlier, I think there needs to be a transition heel champion because the two top act, I mean, they have two strong babyface teams on mm-hmm. this brand, New Day and Enzo and Cass. So to me, if you have a heel champion, you're always guaranteed, kind of guaranteed of a, a pretty hot tag team title match on your cards. But they're playing up so much that like New Day is at this disadvantage without Big E that I think New Day might retain. And on the house shows, they've been doing this finish where Big E comes out and helps. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it here. Yeah, I mean, to me, looking at the card outside of the Universal title match, this is the hardest one to pick for me because I can see it going either way. I I was leaning heavily towards Anderson and Gallows um, until this week. And, yeah, I kind of thought the same thing about the the playing playing the New Day up as having the disadvantage and somehow they come out on top as the baby face. So uh, who am I going to take? 
I, 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 I like that transition angle, though, too, that you're working there, where you, you got the heel team in between Enzo and Cass winning the belts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll go with Anderson and Gallows. I'll say this. If you're Anderson and Gallows, you'd really hope to win here. Like yeah. for their career, because if they lose here, then they're just kind of like just another two guys. Yeah. You know, because truth, you know, I, I would have figured when they came in, they would have had the belts already, to be honest with you. I thought oh, I yeah. considered it a lock when they came in. Oh, they're going to be the guys to beat the New Day. And then they kind of haven't. Um, and, you know, this is kind of the most serious, you know, challenge they've had presented for them. You know, this is the most serious they've looked as uh, challengers. So, um, you know, it's kind of really big for them uh, in their careers in WWE. Yeah. What happens with I agree. That's that's one of the reasons I'm leaning towards them. It's okay. like, you know, they've they've been here for how many months now? They need something big to be considered, you know, on that next level. So, uh, Cena Styles. All right. I think AJ has to go over here. No yes. doubt about it. Yes. He has yes. to. Yes. Uh, they had Cena pin him in a tag match, which they didn't need to do, I didn't think. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Styles has to win. It's interesting where AJ goes. Like, if he loses, it's not interesting where he goes from there because he's just another guy. Yeah. If he wins, it is interesting because it looked like they were going to tease Wyatt for Orton's next opponent. The, if you watched SmackDown last week. Mm-hmm. And if Cena is taking time off again to film the show, do they, like, elevate AJ into a potential three-way situation? For the SmackDown title, because we'll, we'll I'll talk about uh, what I think they'll do with Ambrose and Ziggler later, but that could be where they go with him, or maybe it's just him and Am, uh, Ambrose one on one. I don't know. I I think he's I think for AJ sure Styles going to be the champion of that brand. Yeah. Line. Oh yeah. I think he's uh, for sure going into the main event scene okay. after this match. If he okay. if he beats Cena, like how do you not put him? Yeah. I mean yeah. that's the thing. And if there's not there's nothing really else for him to do except yeah. be in the main event scene. I'd get the belt on AJ as soon as possible. I just, I don't, the Ambrose thing is not working for me at all. <laughs> I mean, like, like we talked about, yeah, the, the feud has been built up well, but overall, like long-term, I'm not the biggest Dean Ambrose fan right now. Um, kind of mm-hmm. going along Yeah, I mean, with, no, I know. He, he's actually one of the more polarizing people on my Twitter feed. Every yeah. Week. <laughs> there are people who like really love oh, like Dean Ambrose, like this guy's like got you know, I think it's ludicrous when people say, oh, he's got, he is like these characteristics of Steve Austin in him. I think that's just, that's just, first of all, it's unfair to him to say that, mm-hmm. to make that comparison. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, poor man's Terry Funk is what I've always gone with. Uh, and he's, and he's not Terry Funk either. It's, that's probably not fair to do either, but um, yeah, I, there are issues with him being on top. Yeah. Yeah. So I think AJ is probably, if he wins, which God, if AJ lost here, I will be very disappointed. <laughs> I just can't and, see it happening, you know, especially how SmackDown ended this week. Yeah. I think we had the, oh, we had yeah, the yeah, thing that's on right. Twitter. I loved how you tweeted that as I was writing in my report, because I had actually gone on Twitter to like get a picture or something like that from WWE to finish up the article. And I had just seen you tweet that. And I had just finished writing that. Well, based on this and the way WWE books, AJ's got to be going over, right, on Sunday? And then you had tweeted the same thing. So yeah, WWE booking is maybe gotten a little predictable there. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, hopefully in this time it is predictable and they stay true to the form because if I think also too in that Brooklyn crowd, it's going to be a hardcore crowd. They run the if Cena wins, maybe they run the risk of kind of losing the crowd. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. The crowd definitely. might turn. I mean, the crowd could get could turn if, if they uh, 
if they beat Styles here. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, Styles going over most logical sense, but hey, you never know. So um, I thought the same thing when Cena was feuding with Owens last year. Yeah. I, I felt like a lot of people said, oh, you know, Kevin Owens was made a star even though he lost two of the three matches. I thought it was a massive mistake to have him lose that third match to Cena. And now we see Kevin Owens, like we were talking about a little bit ago. He's in a tag team. He's a mid-carder. I thought they missed the boat big time on making Kevin Owens a main eventer in that feud. So I don't I don't want to see the same thing happen to AJ here. So that's why I think AJ has to yeah, go over. Agreed. I, yeah, hopefully you, they would have learned their lesson from that because I think looking back, you're absolutely right. Uh, Sasha and Charlotte. So in the odds that I posted the other day, Sasha was the biggest favorite to win her match at SummerSlam. She was like negative 1,500, I believe. Yeah, and that makes sense. I, yeah. I don't think there's much of a compelling case for Charlotte to win. Yeah. And, after they and the big title yeah, show. Charlotte's been getting the upper hand on her on Ross. So. Yeah, I mean, she's gotten, I mean, it'd be one thing, you'd almost be a little leery had they not gotten heat on her of them, like just, just to like, you know, do something to trick people, have her win here. Yeah. But that's just not the right call at this point. Um, I think that this should have been a gimmick match, though, while we're doing Facebook. Like, I just feel that, like, it, it, it still does have that very obvious. I mean, you can tell from the odds that Banks is going to win. I, I thought that this would have been a decent time, and I don't know if there's been one in WWE before. I don't think there has. They could have done a steel cage match to keep, to, to keep Brooke outside. Okay. The first yeah, women's steel cage match. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been interesting because... You know, it's like, okay, Charlotte wants a rematch and, you know, to have some intrigue here, I, I think that would have been a kind of a maybe neat twist, but whatever. Well, I mean, any chance Dana turns on Charlotte here and helps Sasha win? I mean, they're playing into that a little bit on you know, TV. See, who's going to be the heel? Because they're obviously going in that direction. Charlotte and Dana Brooke are going to feud. Mm-hmm. Who's going to be the heel there, do you think? I, guess I don't really Charlotte. see. Yeah, I guess Charlotte, but I don't really see the fans cheering Dana. So yeah, she, she's not good. No, <laughs> no offense to her, but she's just not very good. Um, yeah, but I, I see them saving that angle for Raw. Yeah, the next night. Okay, she could come out Dana, even though she's supposedly banned from ringside and screw up, which leads to the split. Um, and I guess that maybe kind of leaves it a little more open ended for the creative who's the baby face and who's the heel, but just the way that Charlotte's been portrayed the last couple months, it kind of makes it hard for her just to do a quick baby face turn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think Dana's actually going to be the baby face. You're right. Uh, then we get to the WWE title match, Ambrose and Ziggler. All right. So you had, you had a strong opinion on this one, Kyle. So what do you think is going to happen? My strong opinion is it's going to be a weak finish and that this feud must continue. All right. So I think I can see this. I don't see them beating Ziggler clean here. That would be kind of, you know, what a waste that would be. If they do that, then this really was a waste. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't like, I don't see any way Ziggler wins the belt, but I agree. Like, he has to look somewhat strong. And again, you got backlash coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. I could see very much a three-way with AJ Styles headlining that show. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. So I, I see... I don't, God, you know, again, though, this would be like the second or third match where we're like saying, eh, you know, maybe they do a non-finish. That's way too many non-finishes yeah. to do on one card. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, it'll be a screwy ending regardless. Uh, I see Ambrose, re- I, I will guarantee this, Ambrose will still have the title, I think. I, I would be shocked if Dolph Ziggler walked out the champion. 
Agreed. Uh, Rollins Balor. This one I, I could go either way. Balor. On. You, new new got uh, new guy on the roster, new gimmick. You know, I I hate saying this. Seth Rollins just feels like a real boring choice right now. You 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 wrote it months ago. You've referenced it many times. This guy should be a babyface. Yeah. I just think Seth Rollins, heel champ, eh, not very interesting. The odds released the other day, they, I mean, These Balor are, was the favorite, the but one. Yeah, yeah, negative 160 to plus 120, so it's pretty pretty close. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you? Hey, let me ask you this. Do you think this is going to close the show, or do you think Orton Lesnar is closing the show? It, if Rollins is winning, it absolutely will not close the show. Yeah. So if it closes, if this closes the show, then I think it's a, it's probably a good indicator that Balor's winning. Yeah. I would have but, it close the show. Okay. I mean, it'd be a good way to make that feel like a big deal if it did close the show. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to do again, a goofy finish in Lesnar Orton. So, you know, having Balor go over clean to end the show is, I think it's a good idea. Yeah. And and by the way, just me endorsing Balor here in no way is me saying, oh, he's a slam dunk to carry Raw to new heights. I I don't know if that's going to happen. I just think that you have to put him over here and try. I mean, yeah, because it's going to cement him as a top guy. Yeah. Right away. You need to have some new top guys. And, you know, again, I I wouldn't mind seeing Roman Reigns turn heel and be his opponent. Yeah, I talked about that with you, I think, last week. And the only way I saw Rollins winning maybe is that Reigns turned and helped him win. Yeah, but then you have the, I don't know, well, they probably would just not even mention the significance of him helping Rollins, I guess. Well, I mean, you know, this has been talked about a lot, but, I mean, what what role is Reigns most successful in? He's, He's successful being, like, the bodyguard type, you know, the guy that doesn't talk much, that just beats everyone's ass so mm-hmm. why not make him that for Rollins yeah I feel that I tweeted that a, like a while ago that I think there's a lot more money in the shield being together than apart than mm-hmm. these three guys being individuals I just do when you go back and look at that stuff like I just feel the shield collectively was more over than any of these guys are individually yeah, but that's I fair. think they've I think they've crossed that bridge, and I don't think there's any coming back now. They just did that big feud, and I don't. I mean, you can do it sometime in the future, but I just don't think you can do it now. And I think the Rusev Reign storyline is continuing, so I I don't think this is going to happen. And just kind of okay. take away from that storyline. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that would be that would be a way they could do it. But I guess I guess that would be the most interesting way to have if they were going to have Rollins win. I guess that's the most interesting way to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I think you almost have to. It's funny that the odds are the shortest on this match, but I actually feel the strongest about one way on this in this particular one. So we're both going Balor on this yes. then in our yes. predictions. Yes. All right, and then Orton Lesnar, last one. They're not going to beat Lesnar. Uh, the key to this match is going to be when Orton does hit the RKO. How do they get out of it, and what the crowd reaction is to that? That's what you need to watch for in this match. Lesnar's going to win. It may be Bray Wyatt interference, given what was teased on SmackDown. But I I just, you know, Orton, I think, has done a great job since he's been back and making this match kind of interesting. But 
if Lesnar's big loss really is kind of the golden goose that everyone thinks it is, I don't think it should be here. I don't. Yeah, I agree. I, I care more about Orton now than I have in years. I think he's done a really good job. And some of that's been on script. Some of that's been off script, I believe. You had an article up today about... Oh, well, no, no, his stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's really funny. No, the, yeah, the stuff I had, I posted. It's really funny, the the the, the use of the word, pardon my French here, shit, uh, <laughs> on, on, te- on WWE television. So... Lesner, That's right. Lesnar is the one who's been going off. Yeah, Lesnar said it uh, to Heath Slater on Raw, and that was, and you know, I was like, oh wow, he said that. I won. In in my mind, when it happened, I was like, oh, I wonder if they wrote that for him actually. And he, it, it turned out they didn't. He just did it on his own, and because he's Brock Lesnar, and there's no repercussions. But it was funny. He swore. He also swore in that video package that they've been showing on TV, and I guess Orton did as well. But Orton. They took, they edited it off. Not like, you know, like not Lesnar's where they just bleeped the word. They just edited the whole line out with Orton. You can read about the story on toprowpress.com. And then uh, there was a bit that Jericho was actually the one responsible at Battleground for that no enhancement uh, needed line that he gave. That Orton gave. Yeah. So overall, the feud's been built up well, but I agree. I don't see Lesnar losing. Um, And you have to keep Orton strong, by the way. That's actually the most important thing. That's, yeah. Believe it or not. Um, even more so than protecting Lesnar, you have to protect Orton because he's the one on the road and yeah. he's going to be in a headline position on these SmackDown shows. Yeah, that's that's the most intriguing thing about this match is how how do they get Lesnar the victory and keep Orton strong? So that's that's what I'm watching for. I mean, not and again, not to toot my own horn, but way back when when I wrote um, about Orton being the most likely opponent for Lesnar, I you know I think one of the compelling cases is he's one of the guys on the roster that can take that loss and still remain at a certain level yeah as opposed to like a guy like you know kevin owens who it would probably really damage him and they mm-hmm. do not and they wouldn't follow up strong because they protect randy orton more than they protect most guys yeah i agree so yeah i think i think it'd be a mistake to have this go on last i think rollins balor has to go on last but i've seen a lot of talk online that people think orton lesnar is closing the show just because it's brock but we talked about this last week i feel like brock has lost a lot of steam lately crowd's not as into him as they have been in recent months so i would put this probably second from the top they did do a screw finish with lesnar last year is the main event against undertaker but That's that was right. that match clearly had to go on last yeah i thought that was head and shoulders above the rest of the card mm-hmm. i don't know if this one is necessarily head and shoulders above the rest of the card and especially if you're creating a new title you want to make that thing feel special yeah I, I would put balor especially if balor goes over clean i would have that go on last yeah all right so that is your SummerSlam card and takeover card so yeah it should be a good weekend i mean if you're into other promotions as well evolve has a really good show coming on this weekend yeah that's right i gotta put that up too on the on the website i gotta talk about that there. they've got yeah a couple shows that are real big cody rhodes returns to action yeah so Evolve's doing big things. I think you can watch them on the World Wrestling Network. Uh, you can stream that one. I think I think you get two shows for fourteen ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, uh, on the Evolve deal. show, yeah. And then uh, Friday night we've got the Ring of Honor pay per view from Las Vegas. Um, so Ring of Honor shows always do well in pay per view. So it's a big weekend all around if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, definitely don't have anything to complain about <laughs> these last few days of summer. No, and by the way, if if people are into this, it'll be interesting to see how this you know, plays 
in the pay-per-view era, this would have been a disaster, I think. But UFC 202 is, of course, Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, and this is like a gigantic weekend uh, in, in the world of wrestling and mixed martial arts. Probably yeah. the biggest, you know, biggest of the year. We're going to need some sleep after this weekend is what Kyle's getting at. (laughs) I haven't been getting good sleep recently either. So, yeah, I'll have to rest up. But, yeah, I think think these shows could really, as much as people want to complain about WWE, I think it's going to be another big weekend. Remember last year they sold, you know, three sellouts of an NBA arena in one weekend that had never been done before. Yeah. Yeah, so good things on the horizon. We'll have plenty to talk about next week and the fallout from SummerSlam and TakeOver. Uh, so I do want to take a minute here thank all of our listeners for tuning in every week and uh, if you are listening if you use iTunes if you go ahead and leave us a review on there subscribe that would help out the show a lot you can also find us on podbean.com topropepress.com of course find the show on Stitcher so Kyle I want to thank you again for joining me as always I hope you hopefully you are recovering from your birthday festivities last night yeah, I think I'm all good now. I'm ready to go. Actually, this is exactly what I needed. I'm feeling a lot better than I did an hour or an hour or so ago, man. This was great. Just what the doctor ordered. All right. So everyone out there, enjoy SummerSlam this weekend. And uh, we will see you all next, probably next Thursday. So have a good weekend.